Let's bow in prayer. Father, help us now as we come to the word. Open it to us, to our hearts, that we might see the truths of your word. Help us to obey. Help us to be alert to what you want to tell us today. So as we develop this portion, we ask your blessing to be upon us and all these that we've mentioned today who need our prayers. We give this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Choosing whom you will serve. We missionaries in the Amazon had a a famous statement. I don't know how famous it was, but we use it all the time. Uh, It's it's the decisions that get you. Because there seem to be so many of them all the time and in very various kinds and manners, ways in which they presented themselves to us. Today's topic on... Joshua 24 is choosing whom you will serve. That's a decision. Life is full of choices. Each day we are faced with them. Some are small, seemingly unimportant. Others are momentous and like changing, life-changing actually. Such is the lesson before us today. I'd like to develop this in several headings. And the first thing that we'd like to talk about as we come to Joshua 24, which is familiar to all of you I know, is the motivation for right choices. And we find those in verses 1 to 13. It's interesting how God the Holy Spirit, using Joshua, divided this section uh, up and how he, had he, how he categorized these things so wonderfully. Because in verses 1 to 13, we have a, an interesting interesting set of verses which I will not take the time to read because you know the story of history very well. It's just the fact that this motivation for right choices in verses 1 through 13 is divided up uh, in a very interesting way. Uh, There's a review in verses 1 to 5, uh, and that is dealing with the chapters of Genesis over to Exodus, Genesis 11 to Exodus 15. And then when you come down to verses 6 through 13, you have a review there that Joshua gives us in these uh, verses of Exodus 12 to Joshua 22. So it's very categorized, very orderly. Uh, He knows what he's doing. God the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing when he gives it to us, and it's very, very clear to understand. You notice in the first verse the word Shechem. That's an interesting place in geography and Bible lands. It's a natural place uh, to talk to all the people together because the acoustics are absolutely fantastic. And so it's a very known place over there. And it was at this place that God made his first covenant with Abraham, right here at Shechem in Genesis chapter 12. And it was the formal renewal of it again in Genesis chapter 25. It was here that Joshua and the people pronounced the blessing and cursing which were then inscribed on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Uh, This is a natural amphitheater with the acoustics which are phenomena. It's really amazing place. And so that's kind of the motivation for the right choices. That's the introduction. And now let's look at the, let's look at the three the three things that are involved in the motivation for right choices. And I don't want to be laborious, but the first one is God's providence. We find that in verses 1 through 12. And he's going to talk about uh, Abraham and Isaac, verse 2. In verse 3, he's going to talk about from Isaac and Jacob to Egypt, in verse 3. 
In verses 4 to 7, he talks about Moses and Aaron and the plagues and the deliverance from Egypt, which you know the story so very well. And then in verses 8 to 10, he talks about the wilderness journey and the experience uh, in Balaam, that character in that portion. And then in verses 11 and 12, which is this section, he talks about crossing the Jordan and Jericho and Israel delivered out of the enemy's hands. And that's the way it goes. God's providence. We all, we all know and talk about God's providence from time to time. It is a marvelous thing to see how, how, God, how God leads us and what he does with us. And that's what he did with the children of Israel, how he led them, and Joshua has reviewed that in these, in these few short verses. And I'm reminded of a, of a family that had an old car, a 1956. Would that be considered old? I think so. It was a station wagon. And uh, it picked the most inappropriate times to refuse to start. That wasn't my car, but I'm reading it about some, it happened to somebody else. So this lady tells a story that her four-year-old and her were about to set off on an errand using the old 56 car and wanting to instill in him the need to trust God for everything. She asked her son to pray before we left and he closed his eyes tightly and prayed this prayer. Dear Lord, please help this piece of junk start. <laughs> Aren't kids great? They tell it the way it is. And as we trace the hand of God through history, we see all of these wonderful things. It reminds me of another story of a lady whose husband had severe heart problems and had a major blockage in, in his system, in his heart. And so the doctors planned an open-heart surgery, and so on the morning of the surgery, here she was driving to the hospital, and she was worried and all tied up in knots, and, and, but her spirits were lifted, she tells the story, when she passed a church only two blocks before getting to the hospital, and the church sign announced the coming sermon the next week, which said, Wanted Open Vessels. <laughs> Isn't that great? Open vessels. God's providence. He, 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 we could all tell the stories of how God has led in our lives, but this is one of the motivations to make right choices, looking at God's providence. Now, the second thing in the motivation for right choice is God's provision. Oh, how God provides for us. We find that in, notice in verse 13, there's a little phrase there that you will see over and over again in this chapter, he says, I have given you a land. So um, God's provision is a wonderful thing. Life is to have meaning. And if God's will is to be done, all of us have to accept who we are and what we are. Give it back to God and thank him for the way that he made us. In this very famous statement by Warren Wiersbe, the great Bible teacher, he said, What I am is God's gift to me. What I do with it is my gift to him. God's provision. He has given us so much. He has equipped us and helped us so well to do so many things. I trust that we are being sensitive to that. 
In your prayer, in your, in your prayer, do not hesitate to thank the Lord for all that he gives you, dear people. This is often difficult since we are not always willing to receive some of the gifts that he gives to us, you see. Yet all is a gift from God and how we should thank God for those wonderful gifts. Remember what Paul said, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your what? Need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So the motivation for right choices is based, is, uh, based on God's providence. The second thing, it's on God's provision. And the third motivation is God's promises. When you, read, when you read these 13 verses, you will see, and I'm not going to reiterate them, you will see over and over these wonderful promises that God gives to the children of Israel as he leads them along. And, you know, there was a congregation in the middle of their gospel singing in one of the services, they were singing, Standing on the Promises. The pastor asked the people to volunteer some promises on which they were standing as they were singing these songs. And so people just spoke up all around the congregation. And one said, Lo, I am with you always. Another quoted, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Still another said, Where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. These wonderful verses, promises from the Bible. Soon, a dozen promises had been quoted, and when the singing resumed, there was a marked increase in enthusiasm, and surely there also must have been a marked increase in understanding the promises of God. I hope that you appreciate them, dear people, the promises of God. So, God's providence, God's provision, and God's promise. God never made a promise that was too good to be true, said D.L. Moody many, many years ago. So, Peter talked about promises. He said, we have, been, we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. I trust that you appreciate them as we all should. So, after looking at the motivation for right choices, we should now look at the method for right choices. And God has a method. And would you notice in verse 14, please? Now, therefore, fear the Lord. So what is the method of right choices? First of all, fear the Lord. What does that mean? Well, it could mean for some people that you're afraid of the Lord. That's not what it really means. It could mean that you have really trust and respect for the Lord. That certainly is what it does mean. Fear the Lord. Uh, you remember one of the... One of the uh, Presence of Moody, whose name was George Sweeting. Do any of you remember that name, George Sweeting? I see some heads bobbing there. Um, he tells of the day he noticed an unusual combination of bumper stickers on one of the cars of a man who was visiting the school. So the coincidental message conveyed by the two stickers prompted Dr. Sweeting to suggest to the unsuspecting visitor that he might want to remove one of the stickers. Why? Because one read, Jesus is coming, and the other said, escape to Wisconsin. <laughs> Not a good idea. It's okay to go, to go to Wisconsin, but don't go there instead of the rapture. Well, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, 
and this, this is so important, the important thing and the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. That's just the way it is. When you fear God, that means you trust Him. I love the two verses. I hope you have looked at these before. In Psalm 56, you can just put it, make a middle note of Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4 are two of the most amazing verses in the Bible about fear. I love them. Notice, notice how God the Holy Spirit words these things. First of all, it says in, uh, in verse, uh, I forget which one of the verses is, I'd have to look it up, but it says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Do you see what that means? In other words, we're all normal. When we get fearful, we trust in the Lord. That's called second-class travel. Look at first-class travel. It's the next verse. In God I have put my trust, I will not fear what flesh can do to me. See the difference? One of them is, when you're afraid, you trust. The other is, I'm going to trust in the God and I'm not going to be afraid. See the difference? We had a dear missionary friend in Brazil. Her name was Virginia Lasore. Remember her, Margie? Virginia Lasore, before she married Fred McClanahan. Before she went to the Brazil as a missionary, she was attacked one night by a vicious person, threw her to the ground, stole her belongings. Who knows what else he was going to do? Virginia was a godly lady, just a young girl going to go to Brazil. She spent her whole life there. She looked at this guy and says, you can't do a thing to me. I think he was perplexed. She says, God has called me to Brazil and I am going. Just get out of here. And he did. Isn't that great? She knew how to handle fear. So you see, folks, not only do we fear the Lord, verse 14, but in verse 14 it says also serve him in sincerity and in truth. Now that's a mouthful and that's an awful lot to talk about and I'm not going to go into detail on it. But the second, the second matter of this um, method for right choices besides fearing the Lord is to serve the Lord. What an innovation. Serve the Lord. You may say, I don't want to serve the Lord. That's your opinion. Should we serve the Lord? Oh, yeah. Someone says, well, I, don't, I can't serve like preachers can and missionaries. You don't have to, but you can always serve the Lord. Everyone can serve the Lord. Everyone should serve the Lord. And Joshua says, do it in sincerity and in truth. Don't fake it. When you say, I am living for the Lord, do it. Don't fake it. Serve him. Serve the Lord with Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. And as I've always added, and you've heard it before, not sadness, gladness, not sadness. There's a third way, there's a third way in which we see the method of right choices besides fear the Lord and serve the Lord. It's in verse 14, look what it says. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. So what is the third thing? Put away the gods in your life. Someone says, well, what are they? Well... There are some interesting things that would help us understand what could be gods, spelt with a small letter G, in our life. You see, 
What are the gods in your life, I ask? And the answer is in Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Polson translation is this. Whatever you love most is your God. Just as simple as that. You see, that which you love most is your God. Worship is pulling our affections off our idols and putting them on God. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing to do. Putting away the gods in your life. The things that right now are keeping you from intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Whatever that may be in your life. It's so important. Put away those gods. Now there's a third division that we want to talk about. And that's the, the mandate. We've talked about the motivation. We've talked about the method for right choices. Now let's talk about the mandate for right choices. In verses 15 to 19, a very wonderful set of verses here, which we are not going to go down through individually because of the time element. But notice that the mandate for right choices, first of all, it is personal. Look at verse 15, if you please. Notice it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for, notice the word, yourselves. In other words, he was speaking to a group of people, but he wanted them to understand this was a personal thing. So you see, folks, imagine yourself all alone and just you and God here. And that's what Joshua wants to tell Israel in this verse. You can't look over your shoulder and wonder who God is talking to. Is it you? Who? Me? Yes, God is talking to you and me. It's a very personal thing, the choices you make. Now, not only is it personal, it's a pledge. And the verses here are very intriguing that Joshua writes uh, in verses 16 to 19, which we will, we will not uh, go into in full detail because uh, we just want to tell you that not only is the mandate a personal thing, but it's a pledge. These people, these people were, were telling Joshua that far be it from us, etc., we will serve the Lord. They were telling him, no, we, we will serve the Lord. The trouble is that Joshua wasn't completely convinced about that, as you will see if you read the text. Um, we move next into what I call the important instructions about choices. And we've already mentioned this once, but I want to say it again. What, whatever mesmerizes you, whatever hypnotizes you, whatever spell binds you is probably your God. Life is filled with idols, a spouse, family, our country, career, athletic ability, education, technology, money, greed, wrong priorities, jealousies, prejudices, prejudices, the senseless man who cannot make a worm, someone said this years ago, oh senseless man who cannot make a worm and yet makes gods by the dozens. We tend to do that, folks. Think over your life. What are the gods in your life that have kept you from Jesus? It's serious. Jesus said it best, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Not only these, these things that, 
that mesmerize you or your God, but and second, transformation is not external but from within. And Joshua said to them, you cannot serve the Lord in verse 19. They said they were going to serve the Lord, but he comes back and says, you cannot. You know why? Because they were serving the little gods in their lives, and therefore he, they could not serve, even though they said they were. They were actually lying. We can lie too, folks, if we're not careful. Oh, yes, we serve the Lord. We go to church. We sing. We read the Bible. We pray. But you could be lying because if you're not really serving the Lord, you have some little gods that are keeping you from doing that. And it's such serious business. They had forsaken the Lord to serve foreign gods. It says that in verse 20. The greatest peril of all in Christian faith is false confidence. They had, they had false gods. In fact, in verse 23, he will say that. He said, he said they were serving gods at that moment, even when they said we're going to serve the Lord. Serious business. Paul instructs us such wonderful words in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you can't say, I cannot do it. I cannot live this way. Oh, yes, you can, because God gives you the ability to do it his way. If you will just listen to him, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The greatest lesson of the spiritual life is that you have no strength in yourself to stand no matter how long you have walked before God. Paul said it best, for it is God, Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's the one that makes it possible. Well, there are some concluding remarks. Number one, you must be willing to quit straddling the fence, dear people. All of us have to be willing to do that. Get beyond the point of investigation. Step out by faith and embrace what you know is right. No one can serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does this mean? Answer, we should fear God, love and trust in God above all things. You must be willing to quit straddling the fence, which is so easy to do in the Christian life. You must be, second of all, you must be willing to exert influence on other people instead of being pushed around by them. Because it seems one of the uniqueness of life is that someone, someone maybe close or not so close to us, just keeps pushing us in the wrong direction. And God is not pleased with that. Israel came into the land with God's law by which to live, but they, but they, they tried to blend a bit of Canaanite religion. Remember the story in the, in the Old Testament? They tried to blend a little bit of Canaanite religion with a, with a bit of the Bible religion. And folks, it does not work. You cannot mix the two. You have to stay true for the Lord Jesus, His Word. You cannot do it. A man leaves all kinds of footprints when he walks through life. Listen to this, please. All kinds of footprints we are leaving as we walk through life. Some of you can see, like his children and his house, others are invisible, like the prince he leaves across other people's lives, the help he gives them and what he has said, his jokes, his gossip that has hurt others. Encouragement. A man doesn't think about it, but everywhere he passes, he leaves some kind of a mark 
What kind of a mark are you leaving, dear people, as you walk this pilgrim pathway? There's a third point. You must not make a decision for Christ lightly. I think this has happened through the church for years and years. I'm not talking about just our church. Made decisions made lightly. Not really getting down to the nitty gritty of why are you really wanting to trust Jesus as your personal Savior. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's Jesus' words to us. And sometimes we fool around to the point where it's ridiculous. What will it mean in practice for me to put God first? This much at least. The hundred and one things I have to do each day and the hundred and one demands on me which I know I must try to meet will all be approached as ventures of loving service to Him and I shall do the best I can in everything for His sake. Oh, what a story that would be if we could make it true in our lives. And then, folks... There's a fourth point. You must be willing to go public with your faith. Note, note how Joshua publicly declared his intentions. He said, as for me, Joshua speaking, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you willing to make that statement to everyone, your neighbor, your working partner, your family, wherever you go? Are you willing to really say to the world out there, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are not called to secret service Christianity, folks. Why not say to the Lord Jesus, the Lord, Jesus, take over. I'm not doing well at this. Please run my life and I'll learn to listen to you. I trust you and follow you, whatever that means as the years unfold. Oh, what a wonderful thing that would be. If you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. You can choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequences of that sin. People once bragged that all roads lead to Rome. It was not true, of course. It is never true that all roads lead to the same destination. In life, we must choose our roads carefully and inquire as to their destination. When we come to a crossroads, we must look for the signpost and make our choices wisely. You will invest your life in something, dear, dear friend, or you will throw it away on nothing. If there, are thousand, if there are a thousand steps between us and God, He will take all of those steps but one. He will leave the final one for us. The choice is ours. Will you make the final step toward God right now, my friend, and say, yes, I want to begin to serve Him right now. Let's bow in prayer. Father, how many here... How many dear people here today would just say, I want to raise my hand with yours, Pastor, and say, I want to really start doing it the right way right now. Just raise your hand. Let's pray. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, seal to our hearts the simple things from your word today. Make us to be honest with you. Help us to put Jesus first in our lives. And never, ever 
go back on this commitment we're making right now in this holy place. Help us, O Lord, to learn to serve you and put away those little gods that have stolen our joy, our testimony, our Christian lives. May we live for you from this day forward in a special way that we've never done before. We give our lives to you. Help us, O God, empower us by the Holy Spirit to live the way you want us to live. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.